This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Saturday, March 27th, 2021. On this day in 2015, Amanda Knox was officially exonerated of her 2007 murder conviction. Despite this verdict, many remain convinced of her guilt. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of this murder investigation, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the acquittal of Amanda Knox, an American suspected of killing her roommate in their Italian home in 2007. Now let's go back to Seattle, Washington on March 27, 2015. Reporters from all over the United States crowded around the sidewalk in front of the Knox family home, waiting for a statement. But Amanda ignored the hubbub outside. She was used to it. After all, her name had been in the international limelight for almost eight years. Perugia was a beautiful city in central Italy. It was there that a 20-year-old Amanda Knox had decided to get out of her comfort zone by studying abroad. She arrived in the city accompanied by her younger sister in late September of 2007. Within the week, Amanda found a job at a local bar and housing with a fellow foreign exchange student, a 22-year-old British woman named Meredith Kircher. To celebrate this new chapter in her life, Amanda took herself out to the opera in Perugia on October 25th. It was there she met 23-year-old engineering student Raffaele Solecito. They went on their first date that evening and hardly spent a moment apart over the next week. On the morning of November 2nd, Amanda remembered walking home from Raffaele's apartment, which was just five minutes from the house she shared with Meredith. When she arrived, the front door was ajar. But in the bright light of day with the beautiful countryside surrounding her, Amanda thought nothing of it. It wasn't until she showered and was blow-drying her hair that she noticed something strange. Blood on the bath mat and unflushed feces in the toilet. Amanda knocked on Meredith's door, but there was no answer. She called for her roommate before trying the knob, but it was locked. She called Raffaele, who joined her at the apartment, and called the police. Something wasn't right. The police arrived on the scene, forced Meredith's door open, and discovered the 22-year-old dead on the floor, partially clothed with her throat deeply slit. DNA evidence later revealed she had been sexually assaulted. Investigators were at a loss. With nothing missing from the house, the break-in seemed strange, unless it was staged. 
the chief investigator turned his attention to the house's residence, focusing on Amanda and her new beau, Raffaele. Both were subject to lengthy, ethically questionable interrogations in which they were physically beaten and admonished for their so-called lies. Raffaele, either by police suggestion or his own guilt, admitted that Amanda left his flat for a period of time the night of the murder. Searching Amanda's phone, Italian police discovered a text message to her boss, Patrick Lumumba, which included the phrase, see you later. Amanda insisted this was in response to Patrick's text about her work schedule, but the language barrier was not in her favor. Police insisted she made an appointment to see him that night at her apartment. In their minds, this placed her at the murder scene and made her the prime suspect. With a 20-year-old attractive American girl at the center of a murder scene, the story became tabloid fodder. Footage of Raffaele and Amanda consoling one another outside the house during the initial police search was circulated by the press. The young couple's kissing was deemed overtly sexual, inappropriate behavior, and spun by the media as evidence of Amanda's nefarious sexual appetite. Within the week, the headlines chalked Meredith's death up to an orgy gone wrong, led by Amanda, a perverse dominatrix. But the case was far from over. Patrick was released with a credible alibi after two weeks, and the week after that, the police discovered a new pair of bloody fingerprints in Meredith's bedroom. The prints belonged to Rudy Guede, a local drug dealer with a criminal history of breaking and entering. Just a week before Meredith's death, Guede was arrested for breaking into a nursery school, where he was found by authorities with an 11-inch knife he stole from the kitchen. Rudy certainly seemed guilty. He had fled to Germany following Meredith's murder. Furthermore, according to a Skype conversation Rudy had with an undercover police informant, he had been in the apartment the night of the attack, and Amanda hadn't. As Rudy told it, he and Meredith had a consensual sexual encounter, but while he was in the bathroom, someone broke into the house and slit Meredith's throat. Rudy was extradited back to Italy and put on trial, but the case had moved into the court of public opinion, and it had already decided Amanda Knox and Raffaele Solecito were guilty. Their DNA was found on the supposed murder weapon, a kitchen knife that was found in Raffaele's kitchen days after the murder, and that was enough to convict them. Amanda and Raffaele were sentenced to 26 and 25 years accordingly. Shortly after, Rudy Guede was sentenced to 16 years, despite his bloody fingerprints in Meredith's room and his DNA in her rape kit. The verdict was widely seen as a miscarriage of justice, particularly in the United States. Nevertheless, Amanda was incarcerated at Italy's Capane prison, hoping that new evidence could come to light. And eventually, it did. Coming up, tainted evidence samples and flawed crime scene procedures reveal a new side of the Meredith Kircher murder case. 
Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa from Parcast. When you think of a criminal, do you picture a killer, a gangster, a thief? I bet you didn't think it could be the little old lady down the street who murdered her tenants. Every Wednesday on my series, Female Criminals, meet the unlikeliest of felons, mothers, neighbors, and unsuspecting lovers with a penchant for dangerous behavior. Discover the psychology and motives behind their disturbing crimes and find out where their story stands today. But that's not all. Airing right now on Female Criminals is our special five-part look at the world's most infamous femme fatales, women who were deceptive and deadly, but not always the villain. Catch these episodes and more by following the Spotify original from Parcast, Female Criminals. New episodes premiere weekly. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On March 27, 2015, the Italian Supreme Court of Cassation was poised to make a decision that would change Amanda Knox's life forever. With all the hubbub surrounding Amanda's conviction, there was a significant momentum to re-examine the case. After four years in Capane prison, Amanda was granted a retrial and released on October 3, 2011. While she waited for the new trial date, Amanda returned to her family in Seattle. And after two years of waiting, her case went before Italy's highest court on March 26, 2013. While her lawyers fought on her behalf in Italy, Amanda was permitted to remain in the United States until the final verdict was reached. If found guilty, she would be summoned back to Italy and Capane prison. Over the course of the trial, DNA experts noted that the crime scene wasn't sealed properly, allowing for samples to be tainted. Additionally, the crime lab reported that upwards of 30 pieces of evidence were scanned for DNA at one time, allowing for almost certain cross-contamination. Samples, including the supposed murder weapon, were tested alongside multiple other household items that would certainly have had Amanda and Raffaele's DNA on them. Judge Nancini granted a request for the kitchen knife DNA to be re-examined. Meredith Kircher's DNA, which was originally thought to be on the blade, wasn't present. The knife wasn't the murder weapon at all. Therefore, there was nothing tying Amanda or Raffaele to the crime. They were fully exonerated. The news reached Amanda on March 27, 2015. She and Raffaele were officially free. 
On September 7, 2015, the Italian Court of Cassation published a detailed summary of their findings. The media circus, the language barrier, the extreme measures of the Italian interrogation team, and the botched crime scene testing have all been cited for their role in the chaos of the Meredith Kircher murder. But the story wasn't over. In 2017, Rudy Guede was granted a partial release, having barely served half his sentence, but there was still some justice to be found. In 2019, the European Court of Human Rights ordered Italy to provide financial compensation to Amanda, whose rights were violated in her initial arrest and interrogation. She now devotes her life to writing and works as an advocate and activist for the wrongfully accused. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Not Guilty. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Katie Burris, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Haley Milliken. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 